Thank you for listening to this episode of Courtside Indiana Podcast. Please hit the subscribe or add button on your podcast app to get them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. As always, we'd appreciate our rating and review. And you can reach us directly on our Courtside Indiana Twitter at CourtsideIND. Welcome to Courtside Indiana Podcast. We are on episode 102. Joined as always with Zach Tyler. Zach, how was your week, man? Busy. Super busy. Christmas. Ton of games. Christmas. New Year's. New Year's. Snow now. How many games? You said, well, we're recording out of sequence. I already know the answer. You saw 10 and a half games this week? 10 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to say half because the one game wasn't. I wasn't really paying attention too much to. And maybe should have, but oh well. And I would, I would tell you that you almost beat me, but then as I started to think about the schedule, I was at five games each on what Wednesday and Thursday, no, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then was at a game Monday night, and then was at uh, the Hall of Fame on Thursday. So, yeah, I was 10 and a half games is a lot of games. There's a lot of games. And I didn't go back to Newcastle for the second, for the championship round. I just watched it at home um, because, yeah, 14 games is a lot. Yes. So luckily this week, there's a lot of chairs. So that was good. A lot of chair backs. So it was, it was a little bit more comfortable, but um, anyway, we're going to have Joey Bennett on later. He's going to bring us some uh, insights on the Wabash Valley classic. As we talk about our top games, top teams and top players feature that we do every week right now, Zach's going to get us up to date on recruiting and we're going to get it, get her going. Yeah. Uh, a couple things yesterday, Kamari lands, uh, committed to louisville he was originally committed to syracuse and be committed from there but he's going to louisville he was down to louisville and arizona state uh kim hafner from westfield yesterday got an eastern illinois offer his first d1 he also has uh an indiana tech offer and huntington uh jermaine coleman from park tutor got an evansville offer came in bond traeger we've talked about him quite a bit from leo now got a saint francis offer so close to home there and then Marielle Puo, is that how we spit, said the last name there? Just Poe. Poe. He's going to Huntington. That's a that's a great get for them. Um, yeah, pretty big. He's a he's look, he's interesting. He's a super kid. He is um, played in the fall league and was fantastic. So I got a chance to watch him play uh, probably four games. And very, very active, great motor, footwork. Um, I mean, he's not, if he's a post player, I mean, he'll be, he'll he's able to do some stuff in the post. He's got some um, footwork things he's got to clean up, but he's, what he's really good at is being active on the offensive glass. He can drive. Um, he's not going to like isolate type drive, but he's able to be able to get a catch and, and rip and finish. Um, and I think his shot is to the point where it can definitely be, be an asset for him uh, helping out the rest of his game. So uh, that's a good get for them. The, the lands commitment, you know, again, I, you know, how much, I guess we're following him because he's an Indiana kid. I don't think any of us have seen him. Either one of us have seen him play. Nope. Um, lately. He's bounced around quite a bit too, right? He has bounced around quite a bit. Yes. Um, the Coleman offer to Evansville is, is business as usual. I think that's, that's, I mean, he's definitely a mid-major player. I think it would be intriguing to see who, if, if it jumps from there. But I think that if he starts to start, if he starts getting 
a number of offers in this level. I think that's where he'll play out. And he's just very good. He, he shoots the, when he's shooting the ball well, he's hard because he's so freakishly long. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, even if you get a chance to, to get a body on him and, you know, around the basket as he's driving, he still is going to be able to get the ball in the glass um, because of that length. And it's, it's, um, he's a good ball handler for his size. He's, he's not really a primary ball handler, although I could see him doing some of that for park tutor in you know, in a pinch. With certain matchups, but he's definitely an adequate enough ball handler that, um, you know, that if you had to have him bring it up at, um, over certain matchups, he would be able to do that. So, but uh, really liked his development. The Hafter one was interesting in a couple of ways. One, it was a complete jump in his recruiting. Right. But there's a connection there. His father played with Marty, coach, Marty Simmons, the head coach at Eastern Illinois. He was longtime head coach at Evansville after being an assistant there. Um, Marty has, has has been an assistant at Clemson the last few years, and then took took over Eastern Illinois last year, and is is in the middle of his second season there at Eastern Illinois. So, um, but he played at Evansville with with Scott Hafter, with Cam's father. Now, for those who don't know, Scott was a really good player at Noblesville. Freaking hated him when he played Carmel guy. Hate Noblesville guys, right at that age, especially. Um, but Scott was really good. He, he was committed. He was recruited to Illinois out of high school, played there one year, transferred to Evansville. Marty, on the other hand, was, was a star from Lawrenceville, Illinois, which during that time was basically a basketball factory, it seemed like. Um, and he committed to Indiana, played there, I want to say two years, and then transferred to Evansville. And so for two years, they played at Evansville together and both were extremely, extremely productive together. I think both those years, Scott was around 17, 18 points a game and Marty was was right around or just over 20 points per game. And I would I, I sort of clipped those stats and sent them to you, Zach. Did, yep. did you have any idea those guys played together? Did no clue. Know nope. the connection there? No, nope. I, I didn't know they played together for two years. I thought there was a one year overlap. And I didn't realize that they both were that productive. I mean, I know they both, I know, especially Scott's senior year, he was, I mean, he averaged around 25 a game his senior year at, at Evansville. Marty had graduated by then. And Scott had a, I don't know, a short NBA career. And that's how good Scott, that's how good Cam Hafner's father was. And, you know, so it's, it's fun that he's been back in the area. Uh, Cam was a Westfield kid. He did transfer to Zionsville for a year, but now he's back at Westfield and he's having a good year. And I, this is a jump in his recruiting, um, but he's a guy that can get a shot. He can go get his own shot. And I think it's six two. He can be a kid that, you know, in the Ohio Valley can, can, you know, be a really good shooter. And I think he's athletic enough that he can drive a closeout. So if you've got to go out and get him tight, now all of a sudden you got a kid who can who can drive it a little bit and they get him to the point now what i liked about him this past weekend and watching him play and we're going to talk about westfield a little bit later um in, in the in the podcast he has developed more playmaking skills than what he has in the past so that's been a developing part of his game he's no longer just looking to drive to score um and and, and not that he wouldn't give it up if he, if he didn't have something but now he's looking for people like now he's He's driving with the intent of finding the next play. And that's that's helped make Westfield better. 
And obviously they, they had a great week in winning the hall of fame classic, including a kind of a surprising blowout win over cathedral. So I know cathedral just kind of thinks snowballed and they maybe hung their head a little bit and they did dig back into it a little bit, but um, quite a bit actually, but, but the, the combination of, of Braden Smith and Cam Hafner and Alex Romack, those three guys was just a little, well, and Deep Pasquale had a really good event too. So um, he scored well above his average in those two games, but, but yeah, that group, uh, yeah, they won hall of fame and Cam was, was pretty good. So that's anything on the recruiting front there. Anything, any of those stand out? You I mean, you band bond triggers more of your area. Yeah. I mean, finally getting that San Francis offer. I mean, not, I guess not finally, I don't know how long that's been in the mix or anything, but it just seems like they took a while to pull the trigger on that, even though he's right there in their backyard. Um, He's got a lot of those NAI D2 offers. I mean, the more I see stuff on him and hear about him, I feel like a lot of the D2s do like him. So it'll be interesting to see what what he ends up doing. Yeah. Just good yeah. size and strength already. He's still mostly attached to the paint, though, right? Is he, is uh, he, yeah, shown, any, is he shown any range? He's showing a little bit more range, though, yeah. I know he's a good athlete, so if he can drive it, if he can get it where he can catch and get a, a one bounce drive and finish, right? He's going to be able to do that. Yep, yep. Um, I've just never seen him score or shoot outside the paint, and that's I've never seen him play school ball. So that's one thing. It's the summer stuff that I'm talking about. So, well, before we get to our weekly stuff, before Joey jumps on here, something happened yesterday that I, mean, I don't know really don't have a ton of details on it but cathedral was supposed to play lot la, la lumere at this event at, at hammond and just ducked out just i mean they called but they didn't let cathedral know they weren't playing until the afternoon so cathedral drove all the way up to hammond to play la lumere and la lumere is a no-show now i don't know i mean it definitely is highly highly unprofessional and highly irresponsible. And there doesn't seem to be any COVID issues. That was a question I asked specifically, was told it was not COVID related. So this wasn't something that uh, they, they didn't have much control over. They just didn't show up. Now, if there's, you know, if somebody wants to get a hold of us and, and let us know, great. But for me, it looks like Lala Mares, you know, finally gets in the situation where they're playing, you know, one of the top teams in the state. I mean, they played Brownsburg a few years ago at Danville. But that was when Pierce Thomas and those guys were sophomores. They really didn't have any outside shooting. Um, and while they had decent size, it certainly wasn't the size that Lala Mare could produce. Um, you know, Lala Mare didn't bowl them over, but they eventually did get control of the game. And in the past, when Lala Mare has played like Bloomington South and all that, it's always been a struggle for them to win. So I'm just wondering if they kind of ducked out at Cathedral because they were afraid to lose to a regular, like to a traditional school. Of course, I'm anti prep school, right? Right. <laughs> but so that's, nothing that's else. Gonna be, that's going to be your narrative. Yeah. 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 Nothing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll just, I'll be pretty discreet. I mean, I'll be pretty full disclosure on that. It's, I, I think sometimes these teams, they play in these big events, but then some, you know, the rest of their schedule is pretty soft. And I don't know that either, if any of them, um, or how many of them is probably the better way to say that want to play traditional high schools because especially teams that have a lot of talent like cathedral right 
because I, I do think there is a, a cohesiveness about a high school team that doesn't take place at a prep school. Could be wrong on that. Um, and it's not like Cathedral was going in there with any sort of momentum. I mean, they had just taken the, a, a lick in the Westfield, so they were going up there a little wounded, probably looking for a good battle. Sure, definitely. Um, and there would have been no, no, nothing wrong with Cathedral going up there and battling and coming away with. I mean, not that Coach Delaney wants to ever lose a game, but if they were to go up there and take them and be, and be really competitive, which I think they would do they have to feel like that's that's a good trip and that's what this game was set up for right and la lose just kind of a no-show so anyway pretty well, uh, pretty maybe weather maybe weather related oh sure the long drive from laporte to hammond versus the long drive from indianapolis to yep yep maybe la maybe la Luz needs better buses is that what we're saying <laughs> could be I mean, I'm telling you, I don't know if Cathedral rented a charter bus for this trip, but they drive a normal school bus. I mean, it's white <laughs> with blue print. <laughs> Other than that, it's a normal yellow bus. Um, I don't know. Maybe they did take a charter, but I don't know that that's any any safer. It's just certainly more comfortable for the kids. Yeah, if it's weather related, uh, that's pretty, pretty, pretty shady, too, because Cathedral was able to make it right. So I don't know. Who knows? My my prejudices. I'm sure we'll get a phone call in it or a text or something from somebody, and then we'll get our question answered. Well, I don't know. And, and then look, we as much as we talk about Bosco too. They've you know they've they've flat out said they've tried to reach out to they've reached out to some of these schools and wanting to play them and, and wanted to play them, but they've not really gotten a whole lot of responses from them either. Um, I don't know if that's if there's an, you know, an agreement level where they're not willing to play games, somebody's home, you know, somebody's home gym or, or what. And I, and I mean, from the school level too, um, I don't know where Bob, I mean, Bosco, I think calls that uh, wellness center home for their home games. I don't, they don't play their games. When you went to their practice, where did you go? Did you go into crown point or did you go to the place by the interstate? Yeah, I was in crown point. Okay, so that's not there. their home gym. That's definitely not their home gym. Their home gym is the the wellness center that's out there by the um ah, what's the the I, I want to say it's Franciscan Health. I want to say that's the chain they're they're hooked up with on the on, out there by Interstate yeah. 65. They've got a nice new complex going out there. Um and more and more a lot of those have have gyms, like multiple right. gyms. Right. Um but um I think that's where they play their home games. So but, you know, I know that Maravella, I know that Dave Maravella had told me that, that they were trying to schedule high school teams. They just weren't having a whole lot of luck. Uh, La Lu, I know in the past has been agreeable to playing high school teams, but will not play teams in their home gym anymore is what I is what I'm understanding. So I mean, that disposition can change on a dime because they have complete control of their own schedule. But but yeah, yeah, not showing up. I don't think Cathedral was really happy with that. So didn't get a lot of feedback on that other than to say it wasn't COVID related. Right. So, you know, anyway, well, anything else before we move on? I don't think so. Cool. Well, let's get Joey on. Let's talk about our, our uh, best, uh, our games and teams of the week. And we'll, and that's be the rest of the podcast. All right. We're now joined by, we're joined with Joey Bennett the editor of the Brazil times, Joey and I go way back, right, Joey. Yep. 
<laughs> and uh, you've been a newspaper guy. You've been a sports newspaper guy for a long time, covered high school sports. You've been on the pod with us before. But now you're the editor of the Brazil Times, which you probably started doing that when we last had you on, right? It just sort of escaped my brain. Yeah, it was a COVID uh, fall 2020 thing. But um... So how much – so obviously Zach is still on with us, and we're recording this out of sequence. So Zach and I have already – did some talking about recruiting and the things we normally do, but how much did you see the Wabash Valley tournament this weekend? Uh, I went three days, uh, like I went to the final four game, uh, three or four the first day, and then two or three the second day. I wasn't able to go the third day because of work, but uh, like a good thing they have is there's a, 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 um, a radio station, uh, they live stream all the games. So when I did have to be at work, I was able to have it on at work. And of course I was only listening. I didn't, I didn't watch it or anything when I was at work, but, uh, but I, I was just listening. And uh, so I was able to, uh, to, uh, to see some of the games, like, especially the, the third day, one of the, uh, the semifinals was, uh, uh, Terre Haute North and Sullivan, which was a really good game. And, um, so I saw, I saw quite a bit. I didn't see every game, but, uh, I saw quite a bit. Cool. Good. Well, you know, that's usually, it's usually an event I get over to watch every year. Um, but it's, I think I found out that it's probably more of a time when I, if I have a guy or two that I'm coaching from that area, this is the first time in a while where I've not had some, somebody that I'm coaching from that area. It seems like, um, although Drew Cook from Northview plays on one of the teams in our, our, our other team in the program. So in that a, the age group that I'm coaching. So, and he's, He's been really good. He was good for us last summer, and I know he's having a good start to the year and looked great in June uh, as they started filling in. You know, obviously kids kids graduate, and and um, was it Swearingen? Was it Swearinger or Swearigan? Yeah, Swearingen last. Swearingen was their their top guy last year, and he graduated. And he was actually a kid that came over and played in the fall league, so I liked him. And um, but, you know, Drew really started to step up in June, and I think he's carried it through. And I know they had some guys missing in June, but um, I'm not, not sure how much you're going to talk about them as we go through here. But um, but that's I guess that's the one connection I would have to that event this year. But um, anyway, well, we're going to start the, the deal. Best best games, best teams and best or best team and best players. Zach, what was the best game of the week you saw this week? Um, <clears throat> I saw ten and a half games this week only. Only ten and a half, yeah. You may have you may have actually beaten me this week. Holy cow! Oh, hey, all right. Uh, I'm my best game is going to be the Huntington North Snyder game at the Huntington North tournament. I, I, I was going between that and the West Noble East Side game that I went to uh, on the way home from the finals of that tournament because uh, that was one on a buzzer beater. But uh, Huntington North took Snyder down to the wire. Uh, it, it was a four or five point game at the end, but that at the very end, it was two point game, but, but the Huntington North Snyder Huntington North uh, battled in that one. They got a kid. I really like now a senior. I'll talk more about him later. Okay. But, uh, but Snyder did their thing, scored a bunch of points. Uh, Lambert and Jenkins played really well and, and got him through that game to, to take him to the finals against Fishers. And, and Elijah Brown, I mean, obviously Jenkins and Carson Jenkins and Aiden Lambert, their top two guys, but Elijah Brown, he would have been an incoming junior. He's not with Snyder anymore. Correct. Correct. He has withdrawn and is elsewhere now. And I'm Hmm. not even sure if he's playing. Do we know where he is? I do not know where he is. No. Okay. I don't, and I don't know. Cause I, I messaged coach Brock earlier in the year and 
he probably felt it was best not to comment. Uh, he didn't really, he just told me he was no longer with the team and, and I got the impression he was no longer at school, but he didn't fully elaborate. And then, and that's, and I didn't follow up. He just seemed like he didn't want to talk about it, which that's fine. Um, yep. it's probably, probably the best way to handle those things. So, um, yeah, that, and that would have been a, maybe a higher scoring game than what Huntington North is used to playing. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause I mean, they scored 66 points. So. Cause they're in the good games typically when they're winning. Well, I don't know I'm looking at their schedule. Now they got a couple of wins where they dip into the sixties, but they're also playing three, a schools in those games and <clears throat> probably able to, um, well, they, and then they've got a good, no, and they've got good wins over Lake central and, and Merrillville too. So, yep. Um, after that. So just the opening round loss to Snyder. Right. Exactly. So they, yeah, Huntington North played well, the, the, the team maybe to watch moving forward here. I think their sectional is a little tough though, isn't it? Do they? Yeah, that's, is that Homestead or? Yeah, that's Homestead. Columbia, Columbia city is obviously having a really yeah. good year. Um, and look, uh, Oh, I was going to say Fort Wayne North. That's Fort Wayne South, but Fort Wayne South's improved. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to what extent and how that, you know, I've not watched them play, but to what extent, um, they're better because, you know, right now they're four and three last year, they were eight and 14, seven and the year before it was seven 15. I'm trying to find out the one year. Was there one year where they did No, maybe that was Fort Wayne North where they didn't win a whole lot of games one year, but, um, yeah, that would have been a good event to go to. So that, I mean, I know you were there. I know you were at Kokomo for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think, did you make it over to Carroll and Homestead that stuff too? No, I did not. Did not. Okay. I was at Warsaw on Tuesday. Oh, that's, that's, is that where Fishers, what was Fishers? Fishers was at Huntington. Huntington. Did you see them play this week? Yep. I'll get to them in a little bit. Okay, cool. All right, good. Um, Joey, what was the best game you saw all week? And it, it, you can include the stream games too. You don't have to be uh, beholden to just the games you were physically at. We, we obviously had to adjust a little bit last year because of COVID because there were some games Zach wanted to watch. I'm not sure we were able to get everybody in like we wanted to last year, but, um, but yeah, any game you saw on stream counts too, Joey. I mean, it's hard to beat a championship game with the uh, a game winning basket that I sent you guys on Twitter uh, yes. being scored on an inbounds play at the end of the game. I mean, it's hard to beat yep. that. Yep. Um, but uh, the uh, a semifinal, uh, I mean, what's really interesting about the championship game is that both Linton and Terre Haute North could have lost very easily and trailed by nine points or more in the fourth quarter of like of a game before that. And they just found a way to come back and win. Um, I mean, Sullivan was, was up 10 on Terre Haute North in the fourth quarter. And then, uh, I mean, Terre Haute North just had a guy that hadn't really scored a whole lot of points all week that hit three threes in the, in the fourth qu uh, quarter, including two in the final minute. And they just, they just found a way like they have uh, so far. And then actually Linton, my, I thought was going to lose to Bloomfield. I mean, Bloomfield had played, really, really well. And then Linton scored 16 in a row against them in the fourth quarter. And it was really kind of bizarre, but uh, I mean, Bloomfield is a really good team that uh, you know, probably deserved um, or like they could have easily had a chance to be in the championship game because they, they played really well, but I'll have to go with the championship game for sure. Terre Haute North and Linton. Yep. Tell us more about that game. Uh, it was back and forth. I mean, all of the games in this tournament were, were kind of grinders. I mean, there were no 75 to 70 games, like, like the championship was 47 to 45, and all the games were in the 40s. Um, I think part of that is because just the nature of the, of the tournament where you have to play four days in a row with such little prep time, and uh, there, was, there was a little bit more 
ball holding than usual and that I would like. Like, for example, I think at the end of the first quarter in Terre Haute North and Linton, um, let North run off the last 90 seconds of the quarter, uh, just standing out there holding the ball like like Jimmy Chitwood. And um, <laughs> not a huge fan of that, but I guess they decided they were tired and didn't want and wanted to shorten the game or, or uh, whatever. But uh, I mean, like the it was top heavy, but probably the top five teams I thought were all good. After that, there were some there were some weaker teams that were in the field. Um, uh, the Illinois the, teams weren't as strong as they had, they had been that? in the past. The Illinois teams weren't as strong as they. Well, had been I in the think past, correct. Because they had to sit out last year, I think they were they're they're so far behind because they didn't get to play, um, so they uh, so they were not as good. Uh, except except for the guy who went to Sullivan, the big guy, the center that this uh, this Hills guy. I mean, he Hills, he yeah. went to Sullivan last year. I mean, he's a he's a solid high school big guy. But uh, it was um, I mean it was a good tournament. Uh, there were there were a few good games along the way, like. Uh, Actually, South Vermilion Bloomfield was a good game. Seemed like Bloomfield had a good game every game they played. Uh, now the last day was kind of kind of sluggish because the, uh, the teams looked really tired, and there were people that had played really well. Like us, uh, one of the guys, like one of my breakout guys, was absolutely awful the fourth day, but he had been really good the first three days. So yep. um, there was there was a lot of that, which is pretty uh, pretty normal. But uh, uh, but the crowds were great. Um, it was packed all the time, even for the ten a.m. games. I mean, a lot of times. Those that uh, uh, 10 a.m. games don't get uh, much of a crowd, but they were very good crowds at that point. So it was it was a really good tournament overall. Not as many good games maybe as there usually are, but the but it was you know top heavy and the uh, winners bracket games were definitely very good. Right, Terre Haute North are they gonna? I mean they're they're 11 and 0, right? They're their yep. best their best start in a very long time, right? I mean they've. Even even some of their better teams that have usually have a loss, at least one loss at some point. Uh, so it's not like they haven't had good starts to season. But this is the first time. How long has it been since they've been undefeated going into the new year? Do we know? Oh, it's ninety five. That was the last year. Yeah, that was the Martinson Baker Junior year. Oh God, I remember. I remember. I remember those guys, especially. You know, I remember Matt, especially. Um, yeah, there you go. They went twenty two and three that year. They lost to North Central. Looking at Harold's. John Harrell's site. They lost to Martinsville, 107 to 111, <laughs> <laughs> and then they lose to Bedford in the, the section or in the regional, 41 to 42. So, um, um, I mean, what's amazing about this Terre Haute North team is is they have won at Bedford, Vincennes, and Bloomington South, which not too many teams probably ever do. Not that those teams might not all be as good as they usually are, but those are three of the biggest Homer domes in this part of the state. And you just don't go there very often and win. And it just seems like every game they've had, they get on there and, you know, they have played and they've like, they're always in the game. They're very smart and they're very tough, but somebody will just come out of nowhere. And like they had a football player in the championship game who nobody ever guards who scored seven of their 45 points on a three and a couple of layups. And that was, you know, that was a huge percentage of their points and he never scores, but they just didn't guard him. And he shot a three and everybody groaned. And then he, uh, <laughs> like he wound up with seven points and they needed every one of them, obviously. So uh, they just find a way. I mean, like, like they will lose when, when nobody does that. Um, I really think the rest of the way, the only games that I think they could lose unless they just totally, totally fizzle uh, they play Lafayette Jeff I think should be a good game for him and then Bloomington North but other than that 
it, I mean, like, unless they just have an absolute bad night or somebody else has a great night, it looks like they could win. They could win all the rest of them. Yeah, no, that's I'm looking at their schedule here, too. They, I mean, they do have a lighter load of a schedule. That, that'll be the only thing is how tested will they actually be? I mean, winning at Bloomington South is certainly good. Winning at Bedford is, is a good win this year. The Vincennes win, um, you know, Jordan's poor Jordan. Jordan's. I mean, how long is it? I mean, it's been a long time since ben, Vincennes has not produced a whole lot of talent, right? I mean, Jordan's he's he's going to be a good coach. He's he's just kind of running into a bad situation there at Vincennes during this stretch of during this stretch of time, right? Yeah, I mean, they're I mean, really, there it's kind of like like I'm not sure what's going on there, but like you know, Terre Haute South has been traditionally good every year, and they were this is the first year. Like this tournament started in 03, and this is the first year where Terre Haute South did not win a game. They went 0-3 and, um, and just didn't play, didn't play well, and they're just not very good. And that's too bad for that's too bad for Maynard. So uh, my best game of the week. Oh man, I don't know. Um let me let me check one thing here real quick. You think I'd be prepared, right? You'd think. Yeah. You'd, you'd think. Um I mean, I really don't want to. I mean, we at some point we need to talk about the Hall of Fame tournament. Um, I think my best game of the week was Chesterton versus Noblesville, and it was a good good time of the week or good time of year to see Chesterton. Uh, we had just sort of, with their win over Homestead earlier in the in the winter break, we'd sort of anointed them as as a team that belonged in the conversation uh, of who of teams that could win state you know, teams that we could see competing for a state championship and they didn't disappoint. They were really impressive at Noblesville this past week. They won the event. They went three and zero. uh, they, they beat, um, they beat Columbus North. Nope. 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 Hold on. I'm going to get that wrong. They beat Northridge and really pounded them. I think Northridge is obviously a very well coached team. They have done well at Noble, this Noblesville tournament in the past. And, and Chesterton kind of sliced right through them. And then they had a really good game against Noblesville that was competitive most of the way. I would say it was probably an eight-point game much of the way in the second half. Noblesville could never really dig in. But but Chesterton, Zach has seen him play Joey. Chesterton's got a senior guard, Travis Grayson, who at, at this point of his career has really been outstanding. I mean, he's always been good at getting into the paint and always been good at, at pushing the ball and, and getting downhill. And what he's what he's doing a lot better this year is just creating decisions versus just finding things. Like he's creating plays versus just ma- reacting to how defenses, um, you know, adjust to him or how defenses rotate to him. He is um, he's setting up teammates, and it's it's really impressive. And he's got look, he's got good teammates. He's you know, Justin Sims is probably their best talent, the six six sophomore. I mean, he's not their best player. Grayson's their best player this year, but but Sims is definitely their best talent. Um, and he was really good. He was a presence inside. He he shot the three well this weekend. Uh, he 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 could get he can get at the rim. He had not that dunks matter, but it just kind of ref- indicates the kind of athlete that he is. Um, you know, I think for him the the question will be, does you know where does his, where does his how does his game evolve? Because uh, he's not going to be big enough to be a post player, and I and I know in speaking with Ur- Coach Urban during the summer, is they definitely plan on stretching his game out, and they already have as far as his shooting um, and his ability to catch on a wing, especially in rip and, and drive and finish, and 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 then they've got um, you know they've got um, 
Owen Guest, and they've got they've got Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen's a great name for a basketball player. <laughs> um, he, he's he's been really good. Yeah, he's a lefty. Yep, and then um, he's actually you know, going he, to play uh, football at UND. Is it is it football? Yeah. Why did I think it was baseball? I'm pretty. I th- I'm almost positive it's football. Well, yeah, you would. You I mean you would you you would know that more than me. But I'm just. I for some reason I thought he was playing baseball. Um, well, I told somebody wrong then. Because they asked me what I thought of, you know, what I thought about him college wise. And so well, I think he's playing baseball in college. So, um, and the parish brothers, too. Yeah, the parish brothers are nice. The, the younger one is Tyler is is the better player. But the, the older one comes off the bench and is, is a good shooter. And, and they've got an, another trio of juniors. They're a little bit it's a little bit like Carmel's roster and that they've got this. They're. Um, their big in, the, in that their big name is a senior. Their other big name is a is a basically a sophomore than the rest of their guys are juniors and and with the well tyler parish is also a, a junior or a sophomore but but they've got a nice mix of kids and they're very deep they play fast they, they look to push the ball um they i like the way they play I've, i enjoyed watching them play i got a chance to see them play two games this week and and their game against north noblesville was my favorite my favorite game of the week i guess is probably the best way to say that without getting too obvious about the Carmel Anderson game, because that was somehow I got to throw that in there too. So, um, so that was my best game of the week. Zach, what was the best team you saw this week? Best team. Uh, I mentioned a little bit ago is going to be Fishers. This is the first time I had seen them in a couple of years, actually, because uh, they have, I haven't been around my area, but um, Fishers is my best team. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons. Oh my goodness. That kid is a, an animal. And he's just not a post player too. He had a couple threes over the week when I saw him. Yeah. Um, the typical four A team, I feel like, with their depth, they have good role players, guys that can handle the ball, guys you trust with the ball. Uh, I mean Simmons and Harrelson. Obviously Harrelson, I'll talk about him in a little bit too. Uh, Jalen Harrelson, the freshman. But that the first time you got a chance to see him play was that this is week. the first time I've got to see him play. Also, yeah. So it, it was a game I wanted to, or a team I wanted to see pretty bad. Uh, but they had some other pieces too. Uh, I mean, I mentioned or talked to you a little bit before the game to see who I should be watching, but then it was evident during the game who I should be watching. Right. Um, they're, they're starting five is tough. The, I like the Williams and Smith, the seniors at the guard spot. They're real steady with the ball grinder defenders. Um, then, like I said, Jeffrey Simmons in the post is, is a monster. Um, I can see, where their successes come from this this year already uh stringer is a tough defender for them and then they go with Millsaps coming off the bench he hit a three or two uh throughout the couple games i saw uh zimmer aiden zimmer came in and hit a few threes as well so they're like i said the role players are there uh matthew brewer matt brewer even had a, a good game or two when i saw them so uh fishers was my best team just yeah. just well balanced it's not just Simmons. It's not just Harrelson. I mean, they're they're tough. Their 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 key is going to be outside shooting. Is is how much right. they they get out of there, and that's really we can say that about a lot of these teams, especially as, as we eventually we break down sectional eight when it comes time for that kind of talk later in February and and early March as we prepare for the the state tournament. But but that's that's what's going to come down to because you know Simmons is strong. He does struggle with length. And that's, you know, again, the, the Carmel factor there, there's, there's a lot of link there. And that's, um, that's been his, 
that's been his kryptonite, but length is a lot of people's, it's a lot of people's kryptonite, but right. <laughs> as he stepped out and, and shown more ability to catch and shoot from the three point line, I mean, he's, most of his stuff is still secondary catches where he's, he's the screener and he's bouncing back to the ball or, you know, even, or in obviously ball screen situations, he's pick and pop, but, um, and those are a lot more inherent, a lot, a lot easier situations for guys like him, but he's, He's really developed that part of his game, and he also is going to play football in college. But, but um, he's really developed. I mean, he's been a kid that started for them. I mean, outside of maybe if he's missed any starts due to injuries, or he's missed any starts at the beginning of the year due to you know football. I don't I don't recall how their football team. He's basically been a starter his his entire four years at Fisher's High School. So, so yeah, they're going to be the, the them and Chesterton are the, are the two teams or two of the teams that have kind of leaked into the um, kind of leaked into the, uh, the, the championship, the state championship talk. I mean, I think if, if Fishers can get out of sectional eight, the same thing could be said of Zionsville. The same thing could be said of Westfield. Um, obviously Carmel still looming. Uh, but if, if Fishers can get out of the sectional, you know, they, they have that potential rematch with Homestead. You know, you think about how many Hamilton County teams Homestead's played now. Um, I don't know if they did that on purpose, trying to prepare uh, for what for what potential matchups could be. But, uh, you know, Fishers, if they were to get through that and get through Homestead, um, I, I would look at them as maybe you look at Chesterton versus whomever comes out of that mess in the semi-state. You know, that's your that's your north. There's your north breakdown right there. Um, not that somebody up way north by Chesterton can't break through, but. But I kind of that's kind of how I'm looking at it right now is Homestead, whoever comes out of sectional eight and then Chesterton. So basically, I don't I hate to simplify it, but that's what the north is looking like right now to me. So, right. Joey, who was your best team of the week that you saw? Um, I mean, I'll say Terre Haute North. I mean, they're not they're not perfect. And, you know, like I said, they have they have some flaws, but they just uh, they just find a way to win. I mean, Todd Wolfley is a really good coach and they just the this is finally like they haven't been very good the last few years. I don't think, I mean, record wise, just okay, but not as good as what they, they have been like, not back to the, you know, Calvin blank and Matt O'Leary and Ross Bonsler years when they were a lot better, but right. um, you know, they were, they're a solid team now. Like, you know, could they lose in the sectional to uh, Brownsburg or uh, Mooresville? You know, they, they could, I mean, I'm like, I don't think it's a guarantee that they're going to make any long tournament runs, but they're the kind of team that, I would think the other teams wouldn't want to play, um, but they, uh, uh, they're fairly deep by their best player. Well, I'll, I'll get to him, I'll get yeah, to him later, but uh, they, um, they're just really solid and they're not flashy. They're not anything outstanding. You don't leave there being really impressed by them, but uh, so far that they've, they've left with a win every night. Uh, what's, I guess what's funny about them to me is that the first game they played at the, or the second game of the year that they played the first one I saw them play, they did this, uh, six game thing at Holman center where they had just six random games all thrown together. And, and um, they didn't play well at all. They played Evansville central, which is not very good. And they, it was just a, a grueling game and nobody really shot very well because Holman center is so different. Uh, like all the games that are played there right. are not very good because there's no 
crowd noise and all Was that it, kind of stuff. And did they use a college court or did they have a high school court? Down? College court. Yeah. College court. Okay. So that's 10 extra feet. So, yeah. So the, there was that. And then just, the, I did, it, it just seemed like every time any, uh, like you know, lately when they have played games there, it hasn't gone very well, just in terms of the game of the, of the quality of the, of the product on the floor. So after that game, I was really kind of down on them. I thought, well, you know, they won that game, but that team wasn't very good. And then, and like they might not be very good, but they've really uh, like they beat Plainfield in a game which was really, really interesting. That game was tied with like five seconds to go, and and uh, North had the ball, uh, like their best player had the ball, and for some reason, some Plainfield guy just ran at him and like threw his shoulder into him and fouled him with like five seconds to go, and he had both free throws, and and they win by two. It's like you know what is this guy doing? But but they could have easily lost that game. I mean, there were several games they played but they've just, they've, they've managed to survive so far. So they feel young. So that's going to be that excuse. Yeah. Now, so they're, so they're, I keep going back to their schedule, but in, in fairness, they're them in North or them in South are from a four, a perspective, th- this has always been the challenge for them, right? Not just in terms of conference play, but also in terms of sectional they're, they're a lot, they're landlocked, right? They, oh, for sure. unless they, really really extend how much they travel during the year they are surrounded by nothing but smaller schools and you know you throw northview is probably the closest school to them that's not a 2a or a 1a school correct yep i mean i don't i I can't i mean i know where they are in relationship to like schools like owen valley and but you got to go down to like sullivan is sullivan's north of vincennes correct yep so that's the, that's another school. And obviously both Northview and Sullivan are good, good this year. And Sullivan's been really good every year, but um, you know, they're, they are, they're always going to have baked in wins every year with their schedule. So, um, so that's why I look for signature wins on places like that. But, it, you know, again, some of it's not their, some of it's not their fault. There, there's nowhere to go for them to play, you know, bigger schools, um, and that if Conference really, Indiana ever folds, they're really in trouble because that was their only hope for a conference. And if if the if the like some of those teams would decide to go somewhere else, they would have nobody to play with in a conference. Well, I think they're I think they've got some some built-in advantages there because look, you're talking about that those are schools that are still of the 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 middle to smaller end of the 4A spectrum, at least from a basketball sp- perspective. And aren't most of those schools 5A in football. Yeah. Uh, like the Terre Haute's are Columbus North is. Yeah. I think Southport is too. Yeah. yeah. Those are. Yeah. Th- so that's, I mean, I think there'll, it'll be, I think it would, there would have to be really something strange before that situation would happen. But I mean, it's a very good point because they have been, you know, they were, they were original two of the original teams in the Mick and I'm, I'm not sure how, why they got out of it. Um, when uh, the Mick added um, Pike and Lawrence Central, they they basically replaced Terre Haute North and Terre Haute South. Oh, and they were voted off the island. There they were no voted off the island. Basically, we just got tired of traveling over there. So, yeah. But Carmel always played Terre Haute North. They always played them when you know, obviously, when Jim Jones was the head coach there, and that's it. Just goes back. And I say always. I guess I mean from the standpoint of my remembrance. Um, yeah. But yeah, those those two schools are challenged. I mean, basically, four A school wise, the closest school to them is Plainfield, right? I mean, yeah, like, for basketball, you, yeah, yeah, like mileage wise, yeah, 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 basketball. We don't care about the other sports, so 
Um, my team of the week, I guess it would be, <laughs> I'm, this is going to be obvious, but I'm either going to go, I mean, the obvious one would be Chesterton because as much as we've talked about them, um, they are, um, they lived up to it this week. And I, and sometimes Zach and I try to make, mix it up a little bit. Of course, if I mix it up, it just means I'm going to talk about Carmel. Um, but they're going to be my team of the week. And, and just the, the way they beat Anderson, no Pete Suter. Uh, Charlie Williams was in foul trouble almost the entire game. So they basically played that game with four juniors and Josh Wack. And, and they dominated Anderson, a team that we were looking at as a team that beat Tech. Um, a team that, that beat Tech and not only beat Tech, but beat them. Not, not, they didn't blow them out, but they pretty much beat them soundly. I mean, I, they took control of that game. Tech shot the ball poorly that game um, in talking to Coach Turner. Um, and, and, you know, Coach Turner felt like if they would play that game again, they would win. Um, but at the same time, they didn't. And so when Anderson beating Tech, you look at the way Tech handled Cathedral, thinking, well, Anderson's legitimate, you know, and so this was their next chance of, of really entering into the discussion of teams we think could challenge for a state championship, and Carmel basically rolled them. Um, I think at one point, I don't remember what the lead was, but Anderson led by seven. They basically were, Carmel started the game out pretty cold, and then Anderson just beat them down the floor. Now, Anderson, to a man, is physically stronger than Carmel, um, especially in the open space where they've got those those nice, those strong athletic kids are hard to, hard to stop in transition. Um, but then what eventually took hold is Carmel half court wise was able to get some traction on the defensive end. And then they, they turned Anderson's press into their, their offense and they attacked it on the back end, started hitting shots. And then once they started hitting shots, um, they started to, to get control of the game a little bit. But then when they started creating turnovers on the Anderson side, uh, most, mostly with Garway Dual, uh, their, their transfer from, from um, Houston, that game got ugly quickly because you, you, you get easy baskets in transition. You, you're hitting threes in the back end of their press or just basically scoring in every way possible in the back end of their press. Once you beat the, back, the top part of Anderson's press, at least the games I've seen, the, the back end, there's just not much resistance. Um, you know, that's going to be something they're going to have to tighten up uh, either by not pressing as much or by shoring up the back end. They can't just rely on teams going seven for 38 from the three-point line, which is what Tech was against against Anderson. So, so I would say just the way the Carmel game went – how the, who they played. I mean, we, I had been sort of mildly uh, critical is probably not the right word, but, but just wondering when, you know, how many guys were going to be consistently stepping up for Carmel other than Pete Suter. And, you know, they had Charlie Williams had a really good game against, um, against Valpo. Valpo, yeah. Uh, Sam Orm had a really good game against Noblesville. Um, you know, they'd had a couple of other kids have good games. Spencer Turner or Spencer White had, um, had you know, had, had 10 points against New Albany. Jared Bonds had 12 points against uh, Noblesville. So, and, you know, and then you really there, they'd gotten nothing offensively out of, out of Duval. Um, and I don't know that they anticipate 
the learning curve on him coming in and just learning Carmel stuff because he wasn't here in the summer. He didn't get here until the start of the school year. So he wasn't here in June to participate in all the school, you know, all the school team stuff. But, but um, defensively, the Duval kid has been really impressive, especially on the ball. Uh, he got early minutes against Zionsville and, um, and basically he did a pretty good job on, on Logan Imes. But Logan was still able to show how good he was by hitting some tough shots, but um, and and making some big plays down the stretch. But but his offensive performance against Anderson was was kind of eye opening, just in the way he shot the ball, not just in terms of the way he scored in transition. But but he's a guy in transition that in space he's he's hard to contain. He's going to get the ball up, or you're going to he's either going to score, or you're going to foul him, one one or the other. Um, and he, he shot the ball extremely well. He may never shoot the ball that well in his life, <laughs> the rest of his life, but he did that game. But I think what he's starting to figure out is, is how to function off the ball in that system. And, and that's just going to make give Carmel one more piece. But, but doing it without Pete, effectively doing it without Charlie, um, you had kids that had to step up. You know, they, they absolutely positively had to step up, and they did. So the, the hope is especially from my perspective, is that they were able to keep that going. Not that I expect them to roll teams every freaking game, but but uh, the, the expectation there is from now on has got to be that those guys are going to be aggressive and, and you know, that one of them or two of them will start to, you know, to hit every game. And then that'll make, uh, you know, that's going to make Carmel a tough out. So um, not that they need more of a reason to be a tough out, but um, but yeah, they're my that, that was my team of the week as far as, and it's just mostly because the juniors, and how they played. So Zach, your best player. Uh, best player. I'm going to say a guy that I had seen for the first time, Huntington North senior Zach Hubert uh, point guard off guard for them. He had 31 against Snyder. So almost half his team's points. Um, and then he had 20 against Maryville. I believe I'd have to go back and check who the other one was against, but um, he's my best player that I, their best performance. I'm going to say over the, the 10 and a half games, I saw just somebody that was on nobody's radar. I would assume until now. Uh, I talked to a couple coaches at the, the tournament there and they, they, they liked what they saw. I'm not saying they're, he's going to get offers or anything, but, but he opened some eyes uh, just tough as nails kid got to the basket so strong um hit a couple threes early to then set the pace later on for for pump fake and drive around defenders uh got his teammates involved also uh just a a gritty kid and i i think he's gonna gonna play well at the next level if he gets an offer or two probably d3 maybe naia we'll see right cool joy who was the best player that you saw this week well, the guy voted as the most uh, valuable player of the tournament was uh, um, uh, Sullivan point guard, uh, Randy Kelly. Um, yeah. He had a really solid tournament from start to finish. Uh, he, he probably took a couple of bad shots. Like they lost to North in the semifinals. Um, I'm not sure there was really one dominant player. I, I bet this was a, was probably one of the tougher years for them to choose that person. Uh, Terrell North's best player is a guy named Mark Hankins, uh, 6'5 wing that um, just – 
never seems to shoot as much as he ought to. I mean, he shot, I think, seven times in the championship game, and he's a, he's got a great three-stroke and does, you know, he just does what it, what he needs to. But I think he's going to – I've like I've heard Rose Holman for him, and if he goes there, I think he'd be a really, really strong, uh, strong player there. Um, I, I mean, Joey Hart had, I think, 14 in the championship game for Linton. Um, I – it, seemed, it was pretty obvious that he's the only Division One prospect that was in the whole field, which is normally pretty low. Normally, there's four or five guys, you know, spread out through the various classes that that will that that uh, back in the past would eventually go on and play D1, and really there was nobody else uh, besides him. Um, uh, I just thought it was weird in the like in the, the championship game, the last shot that Linton took before their hail mary three at the buzzer, some six three football player guy a three with a tie game with like 20 seconds to go. And I, I didn't really understand why Joey didn't have the ball there. I don't think they, they might've triple teamed him or something. I don't know, but it just, it was really weird that he didn't step up and just grab the ball and uh, try to make something happen there. But in like, said, so maybe they were, you know, multiple teaming him. I don't know, but um, uh, uh, Randy Kelly was, was very good for sure. Yeah. He's been, I saw them last year at Greencastle. Um. And they and Greencastle was had a football player that played um, that was really really physical with him with Randy Kelly, and that kind of took him out of what he wanted to do. And I I was not surprised that Greencastle beat um, Sullivan at Greencastle by any stretch of imagination because Greencastle was really good last year. But but was surprised at how um, they really kind of bullied him. And that, that's been the only time where I've seen Kelly not kind of rise to the occasion. I mean, not that you expect him to go out and just completely dominate and put a team on his back. Um, but he just really struggled with this defender. But every other time I've seen Kelly play, which isn't a ton, but every other time I've seen him play has been really good. I mean, I know Nick Baumgart is on here quite a bit. He loves him, um, talks an awful lot about him, and we, especially as, we, we, as we've been breaking down in the past stuff we see in AAU, kids that are maybe a little bit under-recruited, um, it seems that Randy Kelly is always brought up by, by Nick and, and I understand it because I like, I like watching him play. Um, but yeah, glad he had a good week. Um, yeah, it's, it's strange that the Wabash Valley doesn't have, but usually, again, I go back to what I said earlier, those Illinois teams are kind of down this year, weren't they? I mean, they're usually yeah. bringing over somebody that's, that's good. I mean, Marshall has obviously been able to produce some talent in the past. Robinson has been able to produce quite a bit of talent in the past. Um, and, and I know coach, I know, um, coach Thompson at Robinson is, has got a nice young group of kids that he likes coming up. So they, you know, they're probably going to be a little bit bigger presence next year. And the yep. year after that, he's, he's a guy that I don't know how I got hooked up with him, but I did. I, Mac and I talked decent amount for someone who's in a different part of the state. So any, anytime I, I come away with a kid from central or, or uh, Southeastern Illinois, you can bet it's because coach Thompson was the one that told me about him. So, um, my, uh, see my best player of the week. I'm just going to get real obvious here and go with Braden Smith from, from Westfield. Um, was at the, at the morning games at the hall of fame tournament, hall of fame classic. And you, you know, the, the thing you notice about him more and more is he's prob Westfield's probably better when he's making everybody else around him better. Um, not that he can't go out and have big scoring games, but for me, the, 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 the two columns I look at the most for him are assists and free throw attempts, because that to me is telling me that he's really looking to attack. He's um, he's, 
getting to the paint in other ways, just besides attacking baseline. And he's really impacting the gravity of the court. And th- this past week, even though I don't have the stats in front of me, definitely. I mean, he had, it was what three steals or depending on who you listen to anywhere from two to three steals away from a quadruple double in the championship game against cathedral. And he was, he was a double double um, in, in the semifinal game against Connorsville. And he's just, he, he sets things up in his mind ahead of time. Like he understands, I bet he felt, I bet there's a part of him that feels like he, he understands how every possession is going to play out every, every set possession. We're not talking about transition stuff like that, but, but every time they, they just, they decide to uh, slow it up a little bit and call a set. I, I guarantee you who understands ahead of time where that shot's coming from, even if it's not necessarily the design shot, because he, he's probably paying attention to how the team's guarding things. And if he's not doing it, he's, he's certainly getting help from, from coach. Um, he just doesn't make mistakes and he, and he makes hard plays look simple. He had some half court, no look passes this past week where he's hitting people on a dime. Um, and he's, and he's finding things, you know, he, he, he's, um, just, he's the best point guard to come out of Indiana and probably the very, the very least last five or six years. I mean, I'd have to, we, I mean, we'd have to really go back to see a more complete point guard how long it's been since somebody is at his level. Um, you know, how he gets downhill in the big 10 is going to be the, the next is going to be the issue for him uh, going forward um, because that's when he's most effective. And, and even downhill from the perspective of also attacking baseline in the drift passes um, very, very effective in those situations. So how he gets downhill is, is going to be something he's going to have to um figure out the next level and if that's ball screens great i mean there's nothing wrong with that because the bottom line is is when he's downhill he's deadly and he always makes the right decision and i don't even think he shot the ball that well this past weekend at least from the three-point line and the, the game i saw earlier against um oh man let me get there um shoot i'm on the wrong i'm on the wrong freaking page hold on a second the game i saw earlier um Oh, against uh, Mishawaka Marion. He did not shoot the ball well that game either from distance. So there's there's two instances or three instances really where he is beating a good team. Westfield's beating a good team where he has not shot from three very as well as he normally does, and which which tells me he's finding other ways to beat people. And that just makes them that just makes them, you know, Westfield really hard to, to beat. I mean, again, sectional eight is going to be loaded this year. Um, and the, the, the Romack kid, Alex Romack, look out for him. He's, he's the best big man that Braden's played with. And he's, he's got a nice piece there with him. And then you look at obviously Cam Hafner who picked up an Eastern Illinois offer this week. Um, did you know about that, Joey? No, is that Scott's kid? It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I showed Scott play in a six overtime game at Terre Haute North. Like, yeah. Long, long time ago. I, I said that I looked it up on on Sports Reference. I looked up uh, Marty Simmons's college stats, and I looked up Scott Hafner's college stats, and I sent them over to Zach to show him what the, what they the two years they played together at Evansville. So Scott Hafner was an Illinois recruit from Noblesville who transferred to Evansville. Marty Simmons was a Lawrenceville right Lawrenceville Lawrenceville yep. recruit. Yep. Uh, to Indiana, who transferred to Evansville for two years, they played together. 
And for two years, they lit the Missouri Valley on fire. And uh, both those guys, I mean, Scott Happer had a 65-point game at Evansville. Um, you know, those two guys were right around 20 points a game the two years they played together. I don't know that Evansville's ever had that kind of kind of wing production, uh, at least in, in terms of a duo. And since, since, maybe before, but not certainly not since. And, you know, they've had good teams, but, but not that kind of production. So, um, yeah, Cam got offered this week at Eastern. And, um, yeah, just yesterday. Yeah, just yesterday. So he had a good week. How does, uh, how does, uh, Braden compare to like where Thompson and, and Hunter were their high school year career, senior years? Well, for Purdue, I mean, like Purdue wise, he's, he's better than I, he's better than Thompson. I mean, and he, I think he's different than Hunter. Hunter, I don't look at, I didn't look at Hunter as necessarily a point guard. Now that could okay. be maybe a flaw in my thinking. I know he obviously served at Tenley as a primary ball handler. Um, but he was, he was always a guy that that second catch, he was always going to really fight to get downhill and he was just going to finish. Um, the, the ball was in his hands a ton at Tenley. So he did have good assist numbers, but I think he was definitely looking to, looking to score anytime he got downhill. Um, again, that's not a flaw, especially at the high school level where you're usually the guy. I mean, right. I mean, Tinley had other weapons with him, but um, I, I, to me, he's, he's definitely better than, than I than Thompson at that age. Um, physically stronger um, gets into his shot. I think he has better shot selection at that age. I think he understands um how to create openings for his teammates a lot better, um, you know, but again, he's, he's got the same issue that Thompson did, which is getting over the caramel hump. I mean, so right. that's, um, you know, I, I think that he's like, if Thompson had really good games, it's because he was shooting, he was hitting maybe two or three shots from like 28 feet. Thompson, when he was always a high volume, high volume shooter. Um, Braden is not that. And Braden can go out. If, if, if Braden can go out and have a, well, he, what'd he do? He had a, what was it? A 53 point game against Noblesville last year in the sectional. And I guarantee it was highly efficient. I guarantee there wasn't a bad shot made like a, like a, like a right. risky shot made. Everything right. was probably, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I hesitate to say you go back to Conley, <laughs> you know, to Mike Conley. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that doesn't guarantee Braden's going to be a big success that, that, you know, he, you know, huge, he's got some, he's got a little bit of a size thing to, to combat it in the big 10. Um, Is he bigger? He's bigger than PJ, right? He's definitely, well, he's, he's taller than PJ and thicker than Isaiah. Okay. Um, PJ is a pretty stout kid in like good way. He was, he was a lot like a bigger Travis Grayson is basically right. what PJ was. Um, but yeah, I think Braden is definitely more physically prepared to play in the big 10 than what Isaiah was. Now Isaiah is obviously is, is doing well and is having a good career on a team. That's one of the top three or four teams in the country. So you can't take that away from him, but um you know, he's had to, you know, he's had to curb some of his stuff and all these kids do curb some of his stuff 
when he gets, you know, when he got the Purdue, but, but I would say that Braden's going to be able to step in. And if the, if the opportunity to play right away is there, I think he's going to step in and, and be the same kind of player he's at, at Westfield in terms of, especially he won't score big as a freshman necessarily, but he'll definitely be a guy that makes plays and, right. and, and makes the dudes around him a lot better. So, yep. yep. Um, Joey or Zach best. So best we, we, we gotta have, we gotta have it like a name for this best upcomer up and coming <laughs> player. Basically it's a freshman or a sophomore who didn't contribute to the varsity level as a freshman. Um, who is that guy for you this week? Um, well, there were, Oh, go ahead, Joey. Yep. You do it, Joey. Yeah. Joe, Joey, I mean, first there were, there were two, I don't know if they were outstanding. Really the only freshman that got any significant playing time was a point guard for park heritage named Ren Harper. Yeah. Um, his, his dad Played is the a girls coach there. His mom, did well in the fall. Mom, yeah. Uh, like his mom played at the university of Evansville. And uh, so he, he has some um, a, a pretty good lines there. He had a solid time for park heritage, but they lost a couple of guys mid tournament for a little uh, vaping incident in the locker room. So that kind of <laughs> hurt, but, um, and then uh, like of sophomores who, I mean, like the guy who really jumped out that hadn't been as good before was a guy named Zeke Tanoose from West Vigo. Um, he played on the varsity last year. They had four seniors that they weren't too good, but he really stepped up this year. He averaged over the first three games, like 25 a game, just from shooting crazy long shots. And he's an interesting name. Now the last day he was pretty tired, kind of like I alluded to earlier and he didn't shoot as well or, or play as well, but he probably averaged 25 over the first three days. So he's somebody who really jumped out of the, um, of where he was into where he is and, and he can really shoot it and he can really score. Zach, who was your, I know who you're going to say, but go ahead. Well, I'm <clears throat> Jalen Harrelson's not my obvious choice, but, right. but I'm going to steer clear. He doesn't need our help. I don't feel like, I think his recruiting is probably, <laughs> probably well on its way to where it should be. Uh, we without, still talk about him though, right? He's really, I, the I'll touch on him. I'll touch on him, but I'm going to, I'm going to, cause I want to look, this is your first time seeing him play. I want to know. Yeah. You can obviously go with another name too. You, we could talk about both. It's not like we have limited, limited right, space, here, right. but I'm going to start with I'm, another I'm name and then take. I'm going to start with another name. and I'll finish with Jalen. He listens. Jalen listens. Awesome. He le- yeah. He, he was quick to correct me on his age, which I, that was fine. I was thought that was great. He's, yeah, reach out. I got a little DM from him. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm only 14 years old, man. And I'm like, okay, sweet. That was awesome. Which is I, incredible. I appreciated that. So it is, yeah, it is. Inc- I mean, he's young. He's young for his great. I mean, I think it's okay to speculate if a kid, if a kid that's as mature as him or, or you know, that has this kind of success as to, you know, are they old for their age? How, you know, they, because there's a lot of guys that, that, re- that get held back. I mean, there's a lot of reclasses right. going on, which is fine. Um, I mean, shoot, college is expensive. If, if basketball could pay for college, great. But then he's yep. like, yeah, man, I don't turn 15 till like April. <laughs> like, That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So it was All right, good so we'll, we'll definitely get to him in a second. All right. I'm going to go with the, the game that I had went over to Kokomo to catch, which was the Valpo. Oh, well, there's that. South, yeah. Bend, South Bend Riley game. Uh, I'm going with, I've already talked about Jack Smiley from Valpo. So I'm going to stick, I'm going to go with, Marvin Schindler from South oh, you're Bend, not, Riley. You're not pulling Fiore? No, did you I did. I, I only watched a little, a little bit of that game before I bounced out of there. Uh, and I was talking to Coach Daniel for some of that game, so I okay. didn't really get a good feel for him. But I'm sticking with Marvin Schindler. 
South Bend Riley, five, 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 six, little shifty guard. Uh, doesn't start for them, but comes in off the bench, handles the ball well, handles the pressure well. Is he a freshman? The, he is a freshman. Okay. Gets right. to the basket, scores over big dudes. He can shoot it. He can get on a, on a burner and hit a few threes on you. Uh, Marvin Schindler is who that, that was from South Bend Riley. Jalen Harrelson, though, my goodness, seeing him live, I just have seen a couple tapes on him and, and just seeing him live. He's so smooth with the ball, just very comfortable in his hands, yep. can score over anybody. Um, I mean, <clears throat> he, he's just very fluid, loves getting the ball in the post too and banging in there. Uh, just incredible to see as like we're saying a 14 year old do this stuff at the varsity level and and being under control doing it with his body got his body figured out already it seems like i'm not sure if he's going to grow any anymore um but but jalen is impressive to see to say the least yeah joy you got to figure out a way to watch this kid play he's i mean obviously him and trent sisley down at heritage hills are the the two big names in that class but honestly i think most of us thought like that I mean, I've compared Harrelson's situation to what Gary Harris was as a freshman at Hamilton Southeastern, where the beginning of the year, he started as a freshman. He was basically um, basically brought along slowly and, and not as big as Gerald, as Jalen. Uh, Gary was 6'2", probably as a freshman. Um, but by the time he didn't have huge numbers and you never, every now and then he might have like pull out like an 18 point game or something like that. And, but by the end of the year, by the end of Gary's freshman year, you can tell that he was their best player. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't a situation where he was out there just dominating games, but he did something his freshman year that nobody else had ever done at Hamilton Southeastern, which was beyond a team that went, that won a sectional. That was the first time that Hamilton Southeastern had won a sectional period in basketball. Um, ever and he was inflappable during that tournament and uh, you know it's it's been a long time so my memory's a little faded exactly how that went but I know that you know that's a sectional that you know had North Central and, and I still think North Central and Pike were still in it I know North Central uh, was North Central still in it then I, I don't remember I know Pike wasn't um, but he was unflappable so in talking with coach Weiniger at the beginning of the year, it's like, man, if Jalen has that kind of a year, because we both kind of agreed, I don't think I'm going out of school here by talking about this conversation. We both kind of agreed that Sisley was going to have the bigger numbers this year. Right. And that if Jalen mm-hmm. could have the kind of year that Gary Harris had, that Fishers would obviously benefit from it, but that Jalen would be able to prove that, that even though he may not have huge, you know, big offensive numbers as a freshman, that he was, you know, going to be the guy I and mean, he's just surpassed that. And I thought one thing that two things that you said, Zach, one, you talked about a smoothness. I, I talk about that in terms of he, so far I've watched him play. No one's been able to speed him up. You right. know, no one's been able to make him play into mistakes. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, not that he hasn't made any, and, and I've, I've only watched him play live once this year. That was their scrimmage against Newcastle. I've seen a couple of other games or one other game streamed. Um, he is, you know, he doesn't get sped up. And the other thing that I like that, that you mentioned is that he is, he, he's willing to post up, you know, he's willing to, at, at this age, 
he's willing to look, I got a, I got a, I don't know what you want to call a mouse in the house. I've got a matchup that that's favorable. Um, you know, I don't know if they're calling that, if he's just seeing it or what, but, but he's willing to do that and he's able to do that and, and effective at it. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a deal. Now posting up is not going to be a big part of his future, certainly in college, unless he, unless he can squeeze out a couple more inches, but you know, his ability to, to, he's a good shooter. I think somebody at one point questioned that about him. And I'm like, well, against Newcastle shot the ball extremely well. You can, you know, <laughs> good talk to coach Cox about that. Um, Cause he was good against them and very comfortable at putting the ball on the floor. Yeah. He's, he's a good one. There's no question. And um, you know, that was, um, you know, that's, that's somebody that's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem right. for teams on their schedule right. the, this year. He's going to be a problem, but um, yeah, he, he wasn't afraid to get in there and mix it up and get rebounds and he blocked some shots too. So, I mean, he, he's got it all. He, he got to the free throw line a ton and he, he, like you're saying, he's going to be a problem. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we've got three more years after this of, of talking about him. So I know, which is he's cool. going to get close. the love. That's for he's, sure. He's fun. It's, it's, I like that it's close because I'm going to get a chance to watch him play quite a bit. So, um, all right, my guy here, let me get my, I always, I can never remember his first name, which is terrible. <laughs> uh, well, I, I keep wanting to call him by his dad's name, but Hunter Walston from Noblesville is a, is a sophomore that is, is now contributing at the varsity level for Noblesville. I didn't see any, if I saw any freshman take a step up this week or, or I forgive me to any of them for not, for glossing over it, but, but Hunter Walston this week for Noblesville was a kid that, um, you know, beginning of the year, he was getting JV minutes. And then, um, as the season progressed, he, he stopped getting JV minutes, but turned, was still kind of a kid that only came in to help when they needed to rotate through some of their bigs. And, and this past week, if it, if it wasn't already determined before this past week for their Noblesville event, where they, they played three games it's apparent now that he's definitely going to be part of their rotation. Uh, he actually got a start this week. And he, I mean, I would, you know, no worse than he's going to be. He's not just going to be a guy that comes in when, when Cameron gets, or when uh, Carnes gets in foul trouble, or they, they still feel like they need to go big with, with Preston Roberts, because when Cam gets in foul trouble, they pretty much in the, the previous, you know, earlier games, they basically would just slide Preston over to center, especially defensively. Um, and now Walston's able to Walston's able to take some of those minutes a little bit more freely, and and there'll be times where they play those three guys together, and that's going to give them probably more size than Noblesville's had in a while. Now he's still thin. Um, we we talked about uh, Jared Bonds's twelve points against Noblesville. A lot of it was on Walston late uh, when that game was already decided, and that was Jared just recognizing I'm physically more imposing than you. I'm going to basically put you in the paint and finish. So he's got a little bit of that. He still has to work out physically, um, but he comes from big stock. And I, I'd say at some point uh, that's going to start to get some traction physically on him. Um, and then the rest of it is going to be, he's going to be a six, six skilled forward, you know, at a, at a four, a school. And I think that's something going forward that, that Nobles was going to benefit from. So, so Hunter Walston would be my, I guess, promising player, uh, that's maybe that's what we can call it. my little promising player of the week. So there we go. Yeah. Joey, anything else? Anything else you got? I mean, we're 
basically how we roll through this. Normally we do like score anomalies and things like that. I don't know. Any upcoming oh, I mean, games? Joe I'm sure. Yeah. Out? That's, you know what, Zach, we need to, we need to do that. We, we needed to add, we talked, we did that last year and we've yeah. not done it this year. What any upcoming games this week you're interested in? I kind of looked at the schedule. Not really. Uh, I mean, Terre Haute North plays South Vermillion, which will not be a very good game. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's been a really interesting year. Like in a nine day period, on a Friday night, Park Tudor went to Park Heritage, and that was the first game when Park Heritage didn't have Christian Johnson because of his knee injury, and yep. I thought it was going to be an absolute massacre, and it was, but Park Heritage killed him. I, I, I was really surprised by that outcome, but it was like Rockville had originally played in this gym that's really too small. The court is like yes, 80 feet it long. Was, it was too small. <laughs> it was, oh, oh, it is. But but it's cool. And anyway, Park Tudor, like, I just went to go see Matt O'Leary and talk to him because I hadn't, because he still coaches for Park Tudor. But um, I didn't really expect much, especially when I got there and I saw Christian not playing. I thought, oh, this is a bad deal. And they just... They sucked it up and they toughed it up. And they had a guy named Nas McNeil that transferred from Terre Haute North at three and 30. And um, it was a, it was a fascinating game. And then uh, like the next weekend on a Friday night, um, a North Putnam who, which is an underrated team in two a around these parts, especially because of the park heritage problems, but uh, North Putnam goes to Northview and Harold, which is not always accurate, had Northview as an 18 point favorite and uh North Putnam uh, beat him by five. So then the next night I go because my sports guy was on vacation. So I went to uh, South Vermillion and South Vermillion on Friday night had, had, had won at Terre Haute South, which not a big deal this year, but for them still a big deal because they hadn't done that for like 20 years or something like that. So winless Clay City goes to South Vermillion on Saturday night and it's tied after three quarters in Clay City. Uh, like outscores from 26 to 11 in the fourth quarter. So, um, so I think it's been good for me just because like the games that I have gotten to see, it's not like high school football where you can predict the winners pretty much almost every night, unless you happen to have two, two even teams, which seems to never happen, especially around here, but just so many games where the team that you didn't think was going to win, you know, came through and win. I just thought that that's been a really great part of of the season to me so far. What what's Rockville? You're, you're going to tell this long story about these scores. And the question I'm going to ask is, is like almost around what's Rockville done with that gym? Have they what's done that? something to it? Something's has, has Rockville done something differently with oh, the gym? I think they, I mean, like they didn't touch the bricks or the bleachers, but they, I think they did some of the heating and cooling and some of that. I mean, I couldn't really tell much of a difference when I went did they, there. Did they expand it? No, oh no, you can't. It's, it's brick wall. They're, they're, they're laying, they're, yeah, they uh, I mean, my dad lived out there for a decade, so I actually as a kid went to would go to a game there every now and then. And then obviously when the Mehurans were rolling through then um, when I coached at Eminence, there would be times where I would scout there. Uh, then when the Mehurans were rolling through there, it was friends with his dad. And obviously his sons were both very good. It would always be an occasion to go out there and watch them play. That gym is, you know, it's tiny. It's it's. It's, you know, it's a band box, basically it's, it's, yep. um, but it's a great gym. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the classic gyms in the state. And I think because it is shorter than, than what a, a required gym, you know, than what a, a normal court would be, it's still kind of unique. I mean, they'll never host a sectional, um, right. They'll never host a sectional. Oh. I mean, uh, they not- could like, like, like for the past three years, they've played at the former Turkey run high school, which is yeah, the wonder- right size of the court. Right. But 
but the pressure like that was kind of one of those things where they caved to the turkey run people that said we didn't get anything in the consolidation so so that went on for three years and then this year whoever was in charge that was long enough and so so their home games went back to the Rockadome. so yeah i'm never going to turkey runs gym ever 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 again so the la- last time i was there there was uh the, the newcomb kid broke his leg in half and um the paramedics were, were quick on the scene and we were so impressed by how quickly they got there only to find out that there was a murder suicide in the parking lot um so they were already there and i'm like yes. never coming here again <laughs> I'm like, if this is what happened, I'm never coming here again. So that was a bizarre night. Um, yeah, they wouldn't let us leave the gym for like, I don't know, probably 20 minutes after the game was over. <laughs> like, no, you got to stay out here. And then we go out there and find out that they have like a, a third of the parking lot roped off because of this incident that happened. It was a, a divorce. It was a domestic situation and and it just got ugly. So. Mm-hmm. Hate to hate to take the podcast down a dark and depressing Jeez, note, but I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, my uh, my travels there, I'm never going. To, I'll never go to that gym again. So if, if anything, I don't want it to bring like my like I brought it bad luck. <laughs> so I'm never. I'll At never least it's there. not light blue and red anymore. There's that. Yeah. Well, they yeah they had some interesting color combination there. So, but that's what Maconaqua is. They're they're the same Carolina blue, Columbia blue, and and red, and. Um, I don't know. It, it makes for interesting uniforms, I guess. But um, yeah, it's not a not a great combination. So, so what games what are you looking forward you, to this week? Columbus East. Yeah. Well, we got Hamilton Heights too. So <laughs> we got we got the orange and the brown. What games are you looking forward to this week, Joey? Any? Uh, not really. Uh, like I said, like I looked at the schedule and I didn't really see any. Um, um, I'm usually there's. I mean, like. Uh, Northview plays a couple of conference games. They play, I think, Greencastle and Owen Valley. Those shouldn't be much right about. Really, the uh, uh, the Western Indiana Conference, which uh, Northview is in, is uh, is kind of down this year. Uh, I mean, Sullivan beat them in overtime uh, before uh, Christmas, um, and so uh, so Sullivan should probably go undefeated to win the conference. And so, really, I mean, like in the past, there have been some games where I might say, "Yeah, I'll go see Owen Valley because they have you know Stephen Atkinson or whoever." And just um, there's just not a lot of of good other teams around there. So I might look at the schedule and see, but I might just stay home for a weekend. And, uh, you know, too, yeah. so we'll have to wait and see. Zach, what upcoming games this week are you looking forward to? Um, Marquette Catholics at Goshen. Goshen's been playing well this year. Marquette Catholic has also. Um, yeah. They've not really missed a beat, have they? Who, Marquette Catholic. Uh, yeah. They've lost. They've lost a couple games here recently. Uh, but, but who? To whom? Let's see. Uh, Let's check it out. Boone Grove. Boone Grove. Yeah. They lost South Bend Adams. South Bend St. Joe. Lighthouse CPA may, may be a questionable. So they're Boone yeah, Grove they're, five and two. Yeah. They've not. I mean, you know, you lose your best player. Maybe you're but they still have a lot of pieces there. Right. 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 Yeah. And Goshen seven and one. So, and it's a closer game for me. Um, Friday night, I'm maybe thinking uh, Oak Hill at Peru, Peru oh, yeah. beat Goshen and they're undefeated and I'll get to see your boy Landon. Uh, When's that Friday night? Friday night. Yep. <laughs> and then uh bigger game is probably Penn at Valpo on Saturday. Yeah. That'll be a good one. That'd definitely be a good one. Um, yeah, Tuesday night. Well, you you know if you're an indie, you got a lot of options. Tuesday night, um, you've got Mishawaka Marion comes down and plays at Cathedral. That's a six thirty yeah. start. Yeah. Mount Vernon, who beat Zionsville, plays at Westfield. 
And then you have um, Heritage Christian with the Purdue commit, Miles Colvin uh, at Tenley. Uh, Tenley who just beat Lawrence North. I mean, that's, I mean, Tenley has two, their last two wins are against 4A teams. So they're starting to get things rolling there. And two of their three losses are to 4A teams. So that was the question coming in. It was coming into the week was not that it impacts their March, their viability in March, but how are they going to, were they going to be able to get over the hump on these bigger schools? Because they've got a slew of them that they play. They play Lafayette Jeff later. They play Attics later. They play Lawrence Central later. Um, you know, Tenley's never, probably never going to go into the state tournament these days with an unblemished record. And with the current group of kids they've got, they're definitely, I think we've got 21st century a little bit over them now, at least mentally. Um, but I mean, they're definitely, I kind of thought they were one of the, they were definitely the team to beat coming into one a, but I think 21st century out of Gary has got to be in that mix as well. So, so that looking forward to that, um, God, this weekend, you know, I hadn't really looked that far ahead yet. Um, I mean, Buffett Zionsville Friday night is probably going to be the marquee game in central Indiana. Um, look at some of these other Mick, these other Mick games or any of these HHC, HHC games. Um, I think that'll be the, that'll be the best game. I know tech going up to Lafayette Harrison will, would be a good game. Uh, Harrison's six and two. They did have a kind of a weird loss. There, there are two losses, the Delta and West Lafayette are kind of were surprises. Um, yeah, Friday night I'll be at Greenfield, uh, watching Mount Vernon play. Um, see, North Central plays Ben Davis Friday night. Both those teams are six and two, and then Saturday night you've got Carmel Westfield. That's I mean, I, for me it just stops right there. That's where I'll be Saturday <laughs> night. So that's good, Joey. Anything else you wanted to you wanted to talk about? No, that's really that's really about it. Um, I wish we had more point guards over here. I think that was probably the biggest takeaway is uh, um, more teams have had good point guards in the past in this tournament and around our area. Yeah. And that seemed to be kind of kind of lacking. Um, I think that might hurt Linton. I'm not sure they have an actual point guard. Uh, they really play a lot of guys that are similar size built, but just not anybody that's just that you know you know penetrating you know distributor guy. So I think that. That could hurt them going forward. Um, well, I, Walters Walters gets that done against the teams they'll play in March. He, he he's really effective. He's really effective when you can't get physical with him and you you don't scout. I mean, like obviously the stuff that we see him the most in the summer. There's not a ton of scouting. Uh, there's definitely not a ton of prep. Um, he's he's pretty good at it. I mean, I think at the two A level teams would have to dedicate a lot of resources to, to keep him from at least getting into the paint to, to make the next pass. He doesn't look to score a ton when he does it, but, but, you know, when you see him, you know, when he's playing the, when they're playing bigger schools that have bigger bodies, especially Terre Haute North, they can be a little bit more imposing for him and, and cause him to be more of a distributor, like a, just a ball mover versus a creator, but he's actually pretty good at it and look for him to do that. When they get I mean, he was really good in the championship game. He he didn't seem as as motivated much earlier in the week, but he was he was really good in the championship game. If they would have won, I thought he would have been the reason why they won because he really was. Well, 
he was really active and really rebounded uh, uh, really well. Um, uh, just the point guard thing is interesting, though. Yeah, for you yeah. Like saying that. I just and I just thought too, just from on the on the random uh, mode here coming down the stretch, I was surprised at how many kids were called for charging fouls that were totally they did it and they just their refusal to just pull up and shoot a little short jumper was just rampant. I mean, what I think in the Terre Haute North Park Heritage game, which wasn't much of a game, there were probably five times where people on both teams just ran somebody over, and I just that was disappointing to see because there was just no way that them just driving to the basket was going to happen. And they just, a lot of kids just didn't, uh, I just didn't make that, uh, just didn't make that graph. So that was, that was kind well, of a lot of, a lot of guys are picking up all these different finishing moves and that's, and that's fine. But yeah, translation wise, how it translates to games, you definitely have to still have a mid range game. And, and I, and, and the, you know, the floaters, the floaters a big deal. I would, it's a, it's a good shot to perfect, or it's a good shot to really have in your bag, you know, have your bag of tricks. Um, some kids are afraid to pull it out in games. Some coaches are sort of hesitant to let certain guys shoot it. Um, but it, it's, it can be an effective shot. But, yeah, it would definitely help avoid the charges, too. If you're not always rim or bust. So, Zach, anything else? Before I don't we wrap think it so. up? No? I don't think so. All right, man, we do our reads or? Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about Cam at all or his Eastern Illinois offer? Or we got that yeah. covered? We got that covered, right? Okay. Yep. <laughs> you got time. We got that covered. I think we're good. We're recording out of sequence, Joey. So this is the last thing that people are going to hear. Okay. So we, we officially haven't talked about Cam Hafner's, uh, Hafner's offer to Eastern Illinois yet. But uh, anyway, Joey or Zach, you got your reads? Yep. Box Out Sports is leading online graphic solution, giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds. To highlight your team and student-athletes this season, sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. Remember, that's any sport also, not just basketball. Courtside Indiana podcast is, is uh, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our new platform, Anchor FM. Please hit the subscribe or add button on your podcast app to get them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. As always, we'd appreciate a rating review, and you can reach us directly on our Courtside Indiana Twitter and Instagram posting pictures of the week on Instagram. Uh, you'll be working on some of that today. Follow us both or follow us on both platforms at courtside IND that's courtside IND, or you could just search for courtside Indiana and we'll pop up. So Joey Bennett, my man, thank you very much. We'll probably no call on you again when we get ready to talk about the uh, state tournament stuff, right? Yep. Sounds good. Cool. Zach, as always, yeah, thanks, appreciate Joey. it. Appreciate your effort or your, your time. Those that listen every week, Thank you very much. And those that are listening for the first time, hopefully you'll hit subscribe and come back. Guys, we'll uh, talk to everybody next week. Thanks. Thanks.